Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we will continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter as he likes to be called, Mm -hmm. is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, Mm -hmm. the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. That's true. And I think it helps us to hear it, too. I, I know I've said it that. It does. But, you know, when I hear that, I just I don't want people to think we're saying, well, you don't have to go through all the hard emotional ups and downs and difficulties of the challenges. We're not saying that. We're saying that even in the midst of all of that, there is hope. And that uh, many times the purpose is you'll find that a purpose will begin to emerge. It's hard to see, though, when the emotions are running really high. And usually when we're challenged, of course the emotion's going to come up. And for, for the time that you have to learn to deal with that, and we teach that too, um, so you can diffuse it and get out, your hope will come back, your clarity will come back. But when you're in the midst of it, it's very hard um, to keep it in mind. But you have to have something even more fundamental and basic, and that is a hope that things will get better eventually. And um, we're going to be talking more about this today. But, you know, sometimes we need to hear from other people who have a better perspective. That is something that I want to make sure we cover today. Let me just uh, take a moment Mm -hmm. to uh, let everyone know that we are... Uh, probably concluding today a three-part series on hope, practical hope, understanding hope. How do we have hope, create it, preserve it, hang on to it in the midst of very hard times? Mm -hmm. And uh, for the last uh, couple of episodes, Peter has kind of changed from being a co-host with me to a guest, a special guest, sharing from his personal experience and view of how to hang on to hope. And what Peter was mentioning just a moment ago uh, is an essential part that I want to make sure we cover today. Uh, we, we maybe touched lightly on it the last couple of times, but this time I really want to have a chance to get into it. And that is, um, and again, let me just mention that, that kind of an overall topic today is how to have hope while living with uncertainty. That's mm-hmm. another way to put going through difficult times. Right. And this key thing that you just mentioned ago is how important it is to have a support network. That that really helps. I mean, I, I find that to have, and when we say support, people who are loving, supportive, and caring around you will make a big difference um, because they're more tuned in to what's happening. Usually they're, they'll draw upon their own personal experiences too. And uh, I was thinking about one of our people that works for us at our institute, Maritha, a Fijian, I call her a Fijian angel on our team. She's the only Fijian angel on our team. Uh, she's wonderful. And we were, uh, I think it was Friday night or Saturday night, and uh, we were going through some difficult, I was especially, uh, about my wife, who's really on some pretty strong, uh, extreme ups and downs through her deteriorating condition. And it certainly had built up and caught up to me. And I was hanging low. And, uh, you know, after supporting so many people all week and dealing with so many things, it hits me too, uh, especially when it's my time to just take a break. And Maritha was there. 
And then she said, you know, and I said to her, I said, I am really feeling low tonight and just, oh, I'm hurting. I just love my wife, Lynn, so much and I'm watching this happen and it's just breaking me apart. And she understood, she's lovely. And she was telling me, I didn't remember this, but she said, you know, my first husband was a professional rugby player and he was killed in a rugby match. And then she was, and she said, you know, and she had a baby or she was pregnant. She has a son from that marriage. Was that? Yeah. Yes. And and she said, you know, I waited eight and a half years before I'd ever have another relationship. And um, it's interesting because she married another, Peter, her husband, he was mm-hmm. a rugby player, mm-hmm. but he's not today. And he's a, boy, what a lovely, sweet man. He Another he's angel. Worth waiting eight and a half years. Yeah, for. that's the truth. I think so. But she had such an empathy and was so sweet. And I needed it. Um, not that it made my pain go away, uh, because I was looking at what was going on with my wife, and it made me so sad. And it, there's a thing called... Um, ambiguous. Ambiguous. God, I don't get the word. <laughs> it's just, a huge word. I could have thought another... I could put another label on it, but ambiguous grief, where the person is still with you. And they're not gone yet, but yet the grieving, they're moving away. And the grief can be very, and it is very intense at times. And that's what I suffer from at times. Just devastating. And, uh, but, you know, it's funny. Because I go through it, I deal with the emotions of it, and I know, here's the interesting thing. I know how to deal with my emotions. I know I would need some time to have a good cry or whatever to get rid of the emotions that have been built up. But I always know deep down no matter what my emotions are distorting, and they always do, um, I know even further down that there is hope and that this isn't going to last forever. Now, I'm not that rational all the time, but I just know from experience, I've been through so many hard times of my own and helping thousands of people um, go through hard times. I know that there's going to be another day and the things will get better eventually. Interestingly, the next morning, it was much better. It's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. That roller coaster. Know, yes. It just jolts me, but it makes my day. And um, and I did feel much better, to be honest with you. I had a very good day the next day. And um, it just proves to me that, you know, all's not hopeless, even though the situation is difficult and uncertain about when or where the end will take place. Um, I know that there'll be another day. And even if I, of course I have to deal with my grief, because I adore her. Just absolutely the best woman in my life, 46 years of it. And um, as my friends from that knew me growing up, she made a big difference in Peter's life, because he wasn't quite the same kind of person before, <coughs> to say the least. And yet, the time that I've spent with Lynn and the impact she's had in my life have been dramatic, and it's such a blessing. And she's still... To, not just to me, to others that have contact. She's still an inspiration. I read it. People email me, send me testimonials about Linda just every day. I wanted to add that, that uh, yes, Maritha has, has wonderful support and has the perspective and the empathy. You have had uh, just an outpouring of support uh, from people from your past. Uh, you have, and and what has helped kind of, I mean, you have, have always kept in good touch with people, uh, but what has kind of helped us lately is you have actually reached out for some help. 
Yeah, that's usually I'm the one who always helps everybody else. And I like it that way. But this time, sorry, this is my time. And um, we've had to deal with caregiving expenses, and, and we make sure Lynn's got everything she needs all the time. And I've been doing it now for a number of years. She's been sick now for, we, we've, been, we've thought about it probably, I don't know, seven, eight years. I think we didn't quite recognize what was happening no. in the beginning, but yes, it's been quite a while. Uh, eight years. Yeah. But anyway, uh, not as serious as, as, it just was progressive. But you know, it's been very costly and I'd be willing to do anything. But I needed help to keep this up, and I would do it. I'd, every She's the number one priority. And people have come out of my past with such loving testimonials and sending me money, in, which we put in account for Lynn's caregiving. But what's really interesting is people that we've helped in the past come out of the woodwork and are so grateful for what we did for them that they make donations with such a grateful heart. Could you share some of that without, you know, helping people still maybe stay anonymous if they want to be, but can you share some of these time people that have come from your past that you've helped that are now coming back into your life? Well, there's been a number of them, especially this week, but we've had some over the last month. Um, I don't want to, I want to keep confidentiality, but one woman we helped to... Uh, <coughs> We had her own business, very successful, but really was had a lot of things we had to help her. She's really in pain and whatever, and we helped her. Was always so grateful for what we've done for her, and um, she would time time to time she would leave us voicemails about how much it meant to her. The incredible work we did with her, and I think she was one of the first people to donate a nice amount to help Lynn, out of gratitude for what we did for her. It was very sweet, very generous. And then lately, we, Lynn and I would help. Uh, there was a group home, a foster home. We used to have a little ranch in Nevada. And uh, these kids were pretty, they'd been abandoned, abused. They'd been in and out of juvenile holes. And I mentored them. And I, you know, they were a tough little lot, but <laughs> compared to my life. You so used to be a tough little lot, I too. know. <laughs> worse than they were. But, yeah. you know, it was easy for me. I had a heart for them. And... Uh, and it was like raising them, and they weren't always easy to raise. But one fellow who really stuck close to us, uh, Mike, a wonderful young boy, helped us so much, and uh, he had a very rough, rejected life. I don't think I've seen him, so he's probably 46 years old. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I don't remember. That's some time passed. Long, long time, probably yeah. 30 years. More. 35 years, and uh, all of a sudden I hear from him about about what Lynn meant to him and what I meant to him as a mentor. And um, interestingly, I heard from his girlfriend. Very nice Did woman. you hear from him too? You... Well, he left some notes, emails with for Lynn. You're very sweet yeah. and very grateful for the mentoring. He said I am his mentor, and... He was so, was so appreciative of what I did for him. Yeah. Very sweet. But that's about it. And then I heard from his girlfriend. Yeah. Lovely woman. And he's so fortunate to have her. And uh, she made a nice donation to help Lynn out of gratitude. Lovely. And then she also said, I think he needs more help. You yeah. need to talk to him. So I, we texted and uh, I'm going to call him. But he's a good guy. And uh, I'd be glad to. But she was deeply concerned for him and 
She is one of those blessings that a guy can have in his life. And I, that's what I told him. She's a blessing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, but those are, that was a pretty dramatic word because I came from a long time ago from the people that you never, th you know, it's a, I told him, uh, I texted him and I said, you know, it's interesting. Some of the most Im impressive people I've ever known have had such rough beginnings. And I said, you didn't know this, but I had rough, rougher beginning than you did. And I never told you that, but I did. And that's why it was so easy for me to, to relate to where you were and what your needs were. And all of you, there were many of them. Um, some of them didn't make it. Some of them died. Um, heartbreak. But anyway, um, I helped them. Yeah. And they're appreciative to this day. It was really sweet. Very sweet. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Today uh, we are continuing to talk about hope, mm -hmm. understanding hope, practical hope, how to have hope in difficult times. Mm -hmm. And in our first segment, we particularly started talking about, or Peter particularly started talking about, mm -hmm. how important it is to have a, a, a connection with other people, friends, uh, people from your past, people that you know now, uh, kind of a support network. Definitely. Um, people who have gone through hard times themselves, who have their own experiences that they can share and have empathy. Uh, and also, though, that since they're maybe not going through it right the way you are, they might have a perspective that, that will help you right. that, that you don't quite have at this point. Um, let's talk about that just a little bit in terms of perspective. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, in fact, usually... As you said, when the emotions come up and we're having a hard time, um, we don't easily see the big picture. Sometimes. Sometimes we don't see the big picture. Sometimes we think that this is only happening to us. No one's ever had it this bad. We can get to that point. Um, we end up losing track of our attitudes, our behavior, uh, maybe even some kind of inner dialogue in our head, and we need some perspective from other people who know us and care about us. Right. Uh, you know, you know what we're talking about when you mention that inner dialogue, if you talk about when we begin to get so despairing and discouraged and hopeless, that isn't reality. That is our emotions speaking, and it's not the normal feeling state, which is different. Um, and when people begin to listen to their emotions, you can count on losing your perspective and sinking into an abyss of discouragement and despair and darkness. We, and we know what that feels like, but I'll tell you the truth, we encourage people not to give their emotions such credibility because you can be guaranteed that you're going to go down the wrong path if you let your emotions lead you. Not your intuition and your feeling state, but emotions so but it can happen I mean those kind of things come up when if you deal with intense emotion everybody feels those 
I mean, who doesn't hasn't reached a point when they're in, really doesn't feel at some point, poor me, why me? Uh, I don't think that's an unusual state, some unusual clinical state. Everybody going through real hard times hits those points because the emotions are, are working on them. They're, they're exhausted and depleted. It happens. So I don't think this is such an unusual, unique thing to go through. I just feel that when it's hitting, it feels you're so alone. You're so isolated. And what's going to happen? Everything looks so bleak and dark and hopeless and frightening. I don't see that as so unusual. The key really, though, is to make sure you know that there is going to be a better day and that there will be, that this will end and better days will come. Um, if you can't get to that place yourself, then you do need supportive people around you who have a broader, better perspective mm -hmm. that have empathy for what you're going through, but they also have a perspective where they're not drawn down quite so much. Or that they've shared experiences with you in the past and you with them, and you have a deeper appreciation and trust and love for one another that when they talk to you, um, you can hear them because they really do care and you know it. And they can give you the perspective that you can't get when your emotions are running so high or you're so emotionally exhausted and depleted or the situation seems like it's never going to end. Um, we need other people around us. I think the thing about love, being around, <clears throat> excuse me, loving people who care and share with you is an astounding gift that we all need. Um, I surround, my life is surrounded by good people, loving people, caring, genuine people, which I really, that's another thing we need to have. People who I've helped in the past, and they can help me. Now it's my turn. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, she's just out before we coming in today, and the uh, administrative secretary up front, she was talking about that. And I said, we all, you know, all of us, even the helpers, like me, of course we we're we're not immune. We have to we don't live in a silo. I don't, and I'm, I'm glad I don't. So we all need help, and there's nothing wrong with it. But it's so nice to be in a have a community. We live in a loving community. I am surrounded by love and empathy and caring, and sharing. I can't. I go out to lunch at the local diner, and the girls behind the counter, lovely girls, and they know my wife, and they said we will. Call, you call us if you need us. We'll be there. Anytime your folks, your your teams need us, we'll be there. I can't go any place without running into that kind of thing. It's It warms my heart. And they're beautiful young girls. I love them. They are so sweet and so genuine. And they said, we understand. We've been there. And they have in their own life, as young as they are. They've been through hard times and they know the need. So that's really nice. I have a lot of that. There is one thing that's interesting that's happened lately. And I've had this happen for the whole, the world isn't all like that. And every once in a while, I'll get a very abrupt, rude reminder. There are some mean, cold, heartless people out there who could care less. In fact, they look at your vulnerability as a way to take advantage um, to, their, to get their, for their own benefit. And they're heartless and cold and they're destructive. And when they come through, being in the vulnerable state I am and others are, when they're in that, it really gets to you. It shakes you up because they're not nice people and they don't care. I know they're out there. 
it's a painful reminder they're out there too and thank you god that i don't have much of that in my life when it comes through i don't like it um and yet i'm able to survive it and i'm able to deal with it but i find it extraordinarily unpleasant those are the kind of people not to waste energy on if you as much as you can get away from them keep it's so important to be around people who care and love you i was just going to say that you have mentioned uh, how much of a loving community uh, we live in is and that is true but i want to add that it's not just that your priority has been to build always have community to relate to people to connect with mm -hmm. them like the foster kids in your old neighborhood in Novato. Mm. Uh, you always have seen the value of relationships and community, and you have sought it out. That's, that is the truth. But I'll be honest with you, nothing like today. And I, you're right, I've always done it. But today is different. Today, and for quite a while, I really value the human-to-human -human connection. Like, I care about other people, too. Uh, and they know it. And there's a genuine connectedness that I have in so many different ways in our community they don't I don't allow them to see me as uh, Dr. Bernstein the clinician when they do that I do everything I can to diffuse it because I don't want that to get in the way yeah. not that I hemorrhage all over them by my own pain but I don't want to have a barrier like that up it's not good for me and I don't want it to. I don't want them to use it against themselves. So that makes me superior to them. That means they're feeling inferior. I don't like that. So now that I'm going through this, I don't think I've ever been this. I've been broken in my life, but not like this. And this is one of the positive things that have come out of it. The purposes to be so much better a human being, more genuine, more real um, than I've ever been before. And I used to think I was before, but compared to now. My empathy now, there's no comparison to what I used to be like. I'm grateful. I am absolutely grateful. And um, I, I find that the openness, the humanness, the human connection, the genuineness is, the bri is a bridge to healing. I really do. And uh, I certainly look at it that way. It may be a little bit more emotionally up and down and rough at times but the outcome is so much more hopeful and enriching and healing and there will be hope in the future and I know it I have hope now even in the midst of all the difficulties and that's the truth so um, yeah I do think it's very important and it's, it's interesting the people that I grew up with we all not all of us but I was in gangs and our gangs were like our family and it's an interesting thing how we went through a lot of hard times together and we knew each other very well. That hasn't ever ended because those people get in touch with me now with such love and understanding and appreciation. In fact, two of my friends from New Jersey are coming out on Thursday to see Lynn and me. Such sweet people. Um, they weren't part of the gangs, by the way. I grew up with them, but they were the nicer folks. Um... But we knew each other. We went, in fact, I remember, in fact, Francine's coming out, and I remember when her mother committed suicide. Um, God, what, we were in eighth grade, ninth grade. But, you know, we all went through rough times together. Sandy, I remember, he's coming, that's her husband. And I remember his dad had a heart attack and passed away when he was 39. And I remember what Sandy went through and the changes it put him through. 
Um, we all were there for each other in so many ways that we never forgot it. And not that I've ever, all these years, asked for help from my old friends. I haven't. And yet that's, I am getting more emails, more calls, more texts, more loving messages of appreciation. Even for my birthday yesterday, people said, well, people knew me, but I wasn't always such a nice guy. And some of these people were nice people. And they, you know, they get in touch with me now by Facebook or email. And one of them said, I wish we would have known each other better when we were younger, because I've really grown to be fond of you and appreciate you and what kind of man you are. Mm, a nice acknowledgement. Sweet. Nice that was a birthday message. Yeah. And that's sweet. She was too nice. At the, she wasn't too nice for the she world nice I was for, in. She was where you were then. Yeah. In no, that, she was that, a nice that, person. I remember her. Yeah. Um, there were nice people in my life. I just wasn't one of them. Yeah. And, um, and then I hear stories about myself. It's always interesting to hear what I was like. Mm-hmm. It kind of, we had a couple of people tell me last week. I think Jenny was on one of the, she was listening to one of the, um, uh, oh, yeah. Calls. Yes. What was it? And it was Steve. It was Gern. And he was telling me, no, everybody was afraid of you. You were so you were like a, a, a dynamite keg ready to explode at any time. Yeah. I'm thinking I was. He says, oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was right. There's some perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was part of the rougher part of my life, but sweet. Yeah. And, and now he tells me of what he was going through. Yeah. And I remember being there for him, and boy... He's living out the after effects of that today. And it breaks my heart because I was there and I know what he went through. So it's interesting how and these how, things... And how valuable and meaningful it is to be able to share this with him now, all these yeah. years later, and to have both come as far as you have. Absolutely. And be able to go back and go, that was what was happening to us. Right, and then Jenny gets to hear how we used to talk on the streets because Steve doesn't care. Yes. He still thinks he's on the streets. And he, was, he was relatively clean on that. This car. time. Yes. This time this I was amazed was he's actually simpler. cleaning up his language a little bit. Yes. Okay. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. In our last segment, uh, we were talking about, uh, in order to hang on to hope, how much it matters to have people in our life who love us and can have empathy, who can help us sometimes have a little bit more hopeful perspective mm-hmm. on what's happening, can share their, we've shared experiences with them, we have trust, appreciation, I'm using Peter's words here, genuine connection, human to human, uh, with a a feeling of openness and gratitude, uh, which can be a bridge to healing. Um, I'd like to bring up um, something that you had talked about, about um, the difficulty in hard times of of knowing always, um, not always being able to have control. And I think, I don't know if I'm jumping a little bit here, but I, I know the kind of things that we were hoping to talk about today. And one of them was um, the perspective that we can get from uh, those around us and those who are with us mm. 
to help us accept, adjust to what's happening in our lives right now that we wish we could have control over and don't. Um, it also can be a way, another way of put it uh, maybe is that we can get a perspective on the big picture, on what's happening and what we can do something about what we can't, that uh, other people have been in similar situations and uh, can share their uh, experiences around this. Um, I know that you have served uh, like the young boy, the foster kid in Novato. Uh, you were like a coach and a mentor to him, only it was a very informal personal mm -hmm. relationship and, you're, and, and that is your career now as a coach and mentor. And you've had people in your life who were coaches and mentors to you. Definitely. Um, how have they helped you or how is this helping you now to be able to kind of move through and accept the things that you can't change for Lynn. Okay, so there's, that's the question, right? Because yeah. you, you, you laid out a really good scenario there. Yeah. Um, I know we did a, we've done a lot of talks on this because when you're up against very difficult situations that there, no, there aren't immediate answers for, um, where the situations change a lot, like limbs we're on a roller coaster and that's we, that's not the only person we've had that to deal with there is a point where you get to realize you don't have control and you can't seem to find you just there's not an you just don't feel like you can do enough for them but they're in certain situations that no one can and all you can do is make them comfortable love them uh, uh, protect them and nourish them while they're on their journey to the end of their life. I know that you've heard this so many times, and and rightly so, uh, from uh, some of the staff at hospice that we're working with. They keep saying to you, you were doing so much, and you keep saying, but I wish I could do more. Oh yeah, absolutely, that's an old scenario. Um, and I, I think out of that developed a very, a, a leadership role in my life that I've always, I have been a leader a long time in businesses and and so many things that I do, even if it's a benevolent leadership, I always in a, I'm in a leadership role. Well, the truth of the matter is, there's also a, a position of being in control too. Even as, even if it's benevolent, I'm in control. I like the strong man identity that I have. I certainly developed it over a long time. But when you're up against something that there is no answers for, in fact, the deterioration is so difficult that after a while, it's not, there is nothing else you could do. You've done everything you can. That's very difficult. You gotta, re you reach a point of, of brokenness. Most people um, that are helpers and caregivers and that they do reach a point of feeling completely broken, in fact, and so distressed. And that they don't have adequate responsiveness anymore. They have reactions whether they're internal or not, but they're not very good. And as far as responsiveness goes, they've lost that capacity. You know, I used to think that was a bad thing. It certainly doesn't feel good at the time. You know what really amazes me? What comes out of those times of vulnerability and brokenness? A deeper sense of gratitude, a deeper sense of humanity and appreciation, um, and an openness for others to come alongside you and offer you some perspective again 
and lift you up and and let you know that what you've been doing is good or not or um, as hospice tells me you've done more than anyone we've ever seen your teams are remarkable um, they're so well trained they're so caring and selfless and um, they say it's a reflection of you and I you're right I always say but I've, I just feel like if there's some more if there's anything else I could do I would do it and as I'm saying that I saw an, do you remember Shind the movie The Schindler's, Schindler's List? List yeah that was a good movie I, I thought it was a remarkably good movie and uh, in the end Schindler had lost it he gave everything to save what I think it was 1700 Jews from, from the gas chambers and he would have done more if he could Mm -hmm. And he went through so much um, himself in order to save them and to uh, and to come up against the Nazis and Hitler and whatever. And he, he was a remarkable man. He was a real hero. Well, in the end, when the liberation had come and the Americans had come, he had to leave. And I remember he was. It was the departing scene um, with all the was a couple of thousand Jewish people that he had saved, and he was a broken man. Not just broke, because he was a wealthy man, but he gave it all to help these people. But he was broken. And I remember he looked around and he felt... I remember he was talking to one of the people who was a Jewish man who was at his side as his like assistant. And he looked at him and he said, I, I just feel like I could have saved some more. I feel like I just never did enough. And he was broken and in tears. And all the Jews, thousands, they're really waiting to say goodbye to him, were so loving and appreciative and encouraging and supportive and were saying, you did everything you could more than anybody. You gave up everything you had to save all of us. And if you could have saved more, you would have. You did everything. And I remember the love. And this very aristocratic German man, who at one time had been tops in, the, in his industry and whatever lost everything gave up everything um, left very broken and I remember all the Jews were waving because he had to leave and he left broken and in tears with nothing but all of the people waiting, were there to say goodbye were so encouraging to him and said you did everything and we are so grateful you will never be forgotten you saved 2,000 people that would have been in the gas chambers you gave up your fortunes. You put yourself in harm's way with Hitler and his henchmen, and you did it for us. Um, he was an incredible man, actually. And when you went to Israel, and you went to Vad Yashem, yeah, if, Vod Yashem, if I'm remembering that correctly, yeah. you saw a portion of that uh, set aside as a memorial to, to Schindler. I think it was called the... I don't know. Forgive me. The, the pathway of the of of heroes, and it wasn't Jews. It were the people that saved Jews during Hitler's Holocaust, and Schindler. Either, it, it, no, it wasn't. It, it, his memorial was there, but also in the movie was a beautiful. This was for real. A lot of the children, and of the survivors, um, at the end of the movie, went to his gravesite, and each one. And there were lines, thousands of them. I, I think it was thousands. Would leave. Uh, this is what they do in Israel. On his tombstone, would leave a rock of commemoration. It was the most moving 
thing because most of the people had, had died who he'd saved, but some were still there, and they were being brought along with their by their children and their grandchildren. And these were the real people. These weren't movie actors. It was so... It's one of the great movies. And they went to his gravesite, and I think that was in Israel. I, I Forgive me. Yeah, it must have been, because that's the way they do it, with little rocks of commemoration. And it was a very touching time, and he felt that he had never done enough. And these were the... Th I think down the movie, at the end of the movie, they said there were so many thousands of ancestors and children and grandchildren and great-children of the people he saved, and they all came it was thousands not he saved two thousand but thousands of the, their descendants oh, yep yes and it's yes. a beautiful movie uh, anyway but he never thought he did enough and these people there were there to remind him and give him perspective during his emotional breakdown mm -hmm. and he was carrying such a load he finally let down yeah um he was broken he was broke he lost everything and yet he went away an incredible hero mm -hmm. to humanity. He and made he made such a positive impact. This was his yes. commemoration. Yeah. That's a that's an emotionality that I know I have nothing like Schindler, but I know I felt that many times when I'm up against it and I feel at a loss and my tough guy, strong man, successful person, leadership person is broken. And can't find the answers for very difficult situations. I have come to that. I am very fortunate and blessed to have loving people around me. Just a lot of loving people who are right there. So supportive and encouraging. And they'll come to my side and they'll do what I can't do. And uh, I'm so blessed about that. And, I, I, and then I have people who call me. And I have people on the street that talk to me. And I have emails and texts and Facebook all doing the same thing. I need it all. But interestingly too, it helps me get over those emotional despairing moments and to free up the energy that's being drained off. I, w I wanted to make that point too because yeah. there's a side of this too that uh, as you say when you get to that broken place um, sometimes something you have spent so much energy on mm -hmm. uh, and made no difference because it can't happen. Yeah. And when you do can get some perspective and you maybe shift, you can put your energy into something that you can make a yes. positive impact with. And sometimes we need perspective for that too. Absolutely. And you know what? It's the creative process and purpose to all of this. And I love it. And I live for that. In my whole life, I've been doing that my whole career. Um, being creative. And when one thing doesn't work, finding new ways. But you got to be. You have to free up the energy that's being drained off into hopelessness and despair and discouragement and emotionality, and come back to yourself because you need that energy to find things that you can do, um, new ways of approaching a problem, for uh, uh, and becoming responsive again, not reactive, and looking for new ways and new solutions for difficult problems that you didn't even see before or weren't weren't. Um, hadn't really come to the surface yet but it takes energy and you need to be present for that so to me you have to really let go of what doesn't work you have to accept the brokenness and the support and love i really encourage people to learn to deal with their emotional selves because if they don't their bodies will not hold up through, under the distress and i know how that feels too but the beauty of it is 
it won't last for a long time. You'll be able to get rid of it and you'll be able to pull yourself together and begin to focus on positive possibilities for what you can do now. I want to pause right there because that is important. I want people to be left with that and uh, to have thought for a Absolutely. moment. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. We are again talking about hope, and in our last segment, we talked about uh, the issue of control mm. and times when we've done all we can in very hard times mm -hmm. and have come to the end of our own abilities and have people step in to help us get some perspective, to step in and help where we are no longer able to to help us to uh, understand what, how, if we've done so much and we don't see that we have done so much, mm -hmm. and to help us uh, get a, a, better, a better read on where we really are and what we've really accomplished, right. uh, and to help us let go of what doesn't work and, and try to find new solutions, be creative, put our energy where it can have a real impact. That's putting our energy where, the, where you shift, and that's the beauty of it. Where can you put? Where are you going to have a real impact in the present? Right. And it's a really, it's a step-by-step -step process, um, and you need the you need to free yourself up from that abyss of hopelessness, despair, discouragement, emotionality, in order to do this. And if a situation like caregiving or helping someone or dealing with very very overwhelming difficult situ situations. You've got to free yourself up because you're going to have to deal with the new situation in new creative ways that you didn't even think about before. I find that my whole career has been made up of situations like that. I live for that. If there's a purpose to difficulties and challenges, it's uh, learning how to grow and learning how to certainly be more empathetic, but to be creative. And all of a sudden, new, new solutions begin to come, come to mind and come to surface. Um, I love that. I live for stuff like that, and I have for a long time. You and talked about strategies and reframing and learning from the challenges, and that's what you're talking about right now. Absolutely. And if you look at it that way, that's a pretty positive perspective on difficult situations. You know, we're talking about reframing, and I'm thinking about, now, what would that mean? How would that, what would that look like? That is kind of a jargony word. What does that mean to you? Mm. Another word for reframing. In other words, something that ne normally would have been very negative, it's almost like changing how you begin to see something in a more positive way. Um, I'll tell you something that's, talking, you mentioned inner dialogue before, I'll tell you reframing. When our inner di dialogue and that critic starts working on us, um, and you're tired and, and exhausted and you need some time for yourself when you're taking care of others in difficult situations, um, there's that little voice will tell you, you're being selfish again, or you're mm -hmm. you're not a very caring person, or whatever. And the way to reframe that really is, it's not called selfishness; it's called self-care. And with self-care, it's a necessary component 
of giving to others, helping others, dealing with difficult, overwhelming situations like first responders do, you have to begin to reframe. And one of the important components, and this is hard to come by when you're in the midst of helping others or difficult situations, is to take some time for yourself, to restore yourself, to get some rest, to get away a little bit. Um, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't take that much at all. Um, but it makes a big difference, really does. That's reframing to me. That's one of the reframings. I know there's a lot of others, but that's the one that comes to mind for yeah. me. I want to make sure, we had one other thing that we wanted to have a chance to talk about, and we're in our last segment, so if it's all right, I'd like to just ask you about this one, bring this one up. And that is something else uh, that we can gather from perspective uh, from those who are around us, love us, know us, can give us some support. And that is in the area of, as you mentioned a moment ago, purpose or priorities or what really matters. Uh, as we go through hard times, sometimes, especially when we've lost hope, we don't know anymore how this could have any lasting impact for good in our life what it might have anything to do with a, a purpose for our life or a, taking a look at, at priorities and what really matters in our life, uh, which, which, you know, maybe we're just going to lose touch with all of that completely. We've lost it. Um, how does this happen? How is it that we can draw on our on loving relationships to find some purpose and some... Well, sometimes we need some people to remind us that aren't so emotionally involved and drawn down by it and who know us to, to offer us some new views on things that are a little broader and a little bit more removed and encouraging and positive that we just can't see anywhere. We're too close to the fires. The flames are just too high. We need that. But I was thinking, as you're talking, I was thinking of about another part of it that really that means so much to me now. Number one is certainly there's going to be another day and there'll be hope tomorrow, even if it feels bad today. And I find that over and over again. You will have your your victories and they'll feel really good. They may not be long-lasting, huge, but boy, they sure feel it at the time. I love those. And I love victories like that. <laughs> I've had some today and I've been thrilled. But um, the other part of it that I was thinking about is a deeper gratitude and appreciation with the things in life that they may not seem like big things, but when you're in this state, you develop this deep gratitude and appreciation and respect for others and caring for others. Um, but that appreciation is, is, is just the only word I can think of. It's just awesome. And um, knowing how I used to be, I, I can use myself because I know how I used to be. It took a lot more than a little thing to make me feel grateful. And uh, it took to a trip to Tahiti or Hawaii, or, and I'd go there all the time, and, um, or Fiji or whatever I went. But we went to a lot of, but you know, you know or fast cars. I like, still like fast cars. But you know what's really interesting today? Or fast horses, or good cutting horses. I don't need to do that. I can feel grateful for the littlest thing and just my heart will soar with appreciation and gratitude. Um, perfect example was lately, but I've had a number of them lately. Um, but last night was a very difficult night for my wife. Um, 
we were taking care of her. I didn't know where we were going, what was going to happen. But we couldn't reach her. She was inaccessible. And I just sunk like a stone. And I had a, personally a good cry. I was upset. But I knew there'd be another day. And I did a good night of rest, or the best I could. And I woke up this morning, and I went out, went in to see how she was. She was smiling, mm -hmm. sweet. She was awake, ready to get up. When I say get up, folks, I don't mean like a normal getting up. Just to open her eyes. Ready to start her day. Ready to start her day. Yeah. And she had the sweetest smile and appreciation. And she was engaging with me in such a lovely, sweet way. And I was, that made my day. That was, I'll tell you, no matter what came after that, and I had a few things that weren't easy, not with her, but other things. It would be really hard to shake my tree after that. I was so glad to see her breathing and her eyes open and being engaging. And I remember yesterday was my birthday, and I really wasn't into celebrating. You know, my gift now is taking care of others and seeing them do better. But... I probably took away some sweet moments for people who wanted to show appreciation to me. I just wasn't really receptive. But this morning I looked at these cards and I saw so many profoundly acknowledging cards. And I wanted, to, I shared them with Len and I read them and she could hear them. And she was so touched, I could see it. And she listened and was, she was engaged with me. That made my day. Mm. And after that, I ran into a few rough things, and I don't like those, not with her, with other things. And it was like my warrior self is there, too. I don't, folks, that doesn't just disappear. But, you know, I knew with being a warrior, you know when you have to walk away from certain things that are defeat, and there's nothing you can do about it, but it doesn't mean I like it. But it turned out that some of the things that I thought were defeat turned out to be a victory. And I got to tell you, I was stoked. And I felt good because where I thought felt beaten by some heartless people and some, and that doesn't push my right good buttons, but it breaks my heart that people could be that cold and unloving, but they're out there. But you know what? Sometimes you can't defeat them. You got to just walk away and accept the defeat. So I looked at it and go, okay, that's the way it is. But I knew inside I wasn't happy about it. There's, I didn't think there was much to do. Turned out that we could redeem and we could come to a very strong place of victory i can't tell you how happy i was and relieved and grateful and it gave me new hope again to go even when i think things are all everything's lost it's not i may not have the perspective but other people do and it was other people in another state florida they're the ones that came to my side and were one is a surgeon friend of mine Yehuda, an Israeli surgeon who I love in uh, Florida, and they came to my side, mm -hmm. and they told me, and uh, and I got calls from other people there and said, you were right, and you're not defeated, and this is what really happened. And I want to tell you, I was one happy camper. Yeah, I but it's it. the moments of a gratitude and appreciation, heartfelt, that means so much now. It could be the littlest thing, but boy, does it mean a lot. It means a lot. I want to, we just have a couple more minutes left, mm -hmm. and I want to go back to something you mentioned a moment ago, mm -hmm. and that is that uh, yesterday was your birthday, and, mm -hmm. and and instead of thinking about receiving gifts, you said that right now a gift for you is to take care of others mm -hmm. and see them get better, mm -hmm. and that brought up one of the the things we we have 
talked about and, and a point I, I hope we can leave people with today. That's and that is the experience, the learning that pain without purpose leaves people helpless and hopeless. That's right. right. But pain with purpose can lead to hope and resilience. Absolutely the truth. That's a great note to end on. And to leave people with that today, please keep that in mind during your tough moments. And also, I'm glad that we're doing this, that we can be here for people all over the world that are in need, and I hear from them. And I hear how much that what we're doing means to them, but it's coming from a very heartfelt, it's coming from our our it's our pain. purpose. Our what purpose. we're doing here today and yeah, every day right. on the podcast is part of our purpose Absolutely. to reach out and give hope. And I'll tell you, it's really wonderful for us. We call it Lynn's Legacy. And I'm telling you, I never had as much empathy as I have now. So I'm grateful that we can do this. I love this show. We've done 57 episodes. This is number 57. And I expect to continue to do them for a long time. And I hope that we reach more and more people in need. Um... Please listen to our show um, because I think you're going to be able to get something out of it for yourselves and carry it for a while. But we'll re- we'll bring up other things, and you know, if you don't get it this time, there'll be many other episodes you can get. And if this one doesn't work, you can always go back on. And you can always let us know. And let us know. I'd really if, like if to. If what hear. we're saying is not making sense, or you have questions, you can always let us. And we that, would love to know that. That's right. Yes. I would. We would. Thank you, Peter. You're welcome. My pleasure. The Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations from people like you. Mm -hmm. If our podcast and the information that we provide benefits you or someone you care about, please consider supporting us by giving to Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment. Donations are tax deductible. Uh, You can go to the website, which is sctraumatreatment.org sctraumatreatment.org We would love it if you'd also support us on social media. You can like us on Facebook or uh, follow us on Instagram. For more information about our podcast, uh, you could contact or if you'd like to contact Dr. Bernstein or myself, our number is 707-781-3335 Thank you for listening and uh, just appreciate all of you out there Don't forget we're on YouTube, too. We're on YouTube. Our videos are on YouTube. Yes. Thank you.